0: This is The World in Brief, from The Economist. Our top stories. The OPEC+, Plus, a group of petroleum-exporting countries and their allies, including Russia, agreed to slash their output quota for oil by 2 million barrels per day, equivalent to 2% global supply. It is the biggest cut since 2020. Meanwhile, EU ambassadors agreed to a price cap on Russian oil to punish Mr. Putin for his nuclear threats and the war in Ukraine. The bloc has been trying to reduce its reliance on Russian energy. Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, ratified the annexation of four Ukrainian regions under Russian law, even as Ukrainian forces continued to retake territory. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, said on Tuesday that dozens of towns had been liberated in both the east and south, where the Ukrainian army is now advancing in a rapid and powerful manner. Meanwhile, American officials warned that Ukraine must capitalize on its advances before wintry conditions imperil progress. Shares of Twitter surged by more than 20% on the news that Elon Musk will go ahead with his takeover of the social media company. Mr. Musk has offered to pay the price he initially agreed of $54.20 a share. For months, he had tried to renege on his purchase agreement, resulting in a legal dispute with Twitter that was expected to go to trial later this month. The Nobel Prize for Chemistry was awarded to Carolyn Betrosi, Morten Meldal, and Barry Sharpless for their work on the development of click chemistry, in which molecular building blocks are snapped together quickly and efficiently. It is often used for pharmaceutical research and DNA mapping. Liz Truss, Britain's Prime Minister, defended her tax-cutting economic agenda at the Conservative Party conference. While acknowledging her government's U-turn on its plan to scrap the top rate of income tax, mistrust vowed to continue with other parts of the mini-budget that unsettled markets in September. The pound had fallen 1% against the dollar by Wednesday afternoon. Virgin Atlantic said it was pulling out of Hong Kong permanently after almost 30 years of operating in the city. The British airline, which has not operated any passenger flights to the Asian business hub for nearly a year, cited the closure of Russian airspace, which increases the journey time to and from the city, as one of the reasons for the departure. Chess.com, the world's foremost chess platform, said Hans Niemann, a 19-year-old American grandmaster, likely cheated in more than 100 games online. Mr. Neiman has risen rapidly to the top of the game, but was accused last month of cheating by Magnus Carlsen, the world champion. Mr. Neiman has previously denied the allegations. Chess.com said Mr. Neiman has privately confessed and would be banned from the platform for some time. And fact of the day. 72. The number of ministers Peru's president, Pedro Castillo, has gone through in just 14 months in office. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Could the Ukraine War Turn Nuclear? The further Ukraine forces advance, the higher the risk that Russia will respond with nuclear weapons. So America's admonitions against doing so are becoming harsher. In September, senior American officials warned Russia of catastrophic and horrific consequences if it went nuclear. Some whisper that America might then have to respond militarily, probably with conventional rather than nuclear weapons. For months, American officials said they detected no change in Russia's nuclear posture. Now, less reassuringly, They see no change that would cause us to alter our posture. One recently said there was no sign of the imminent use of nukes. All this leaves open the possibility that America sees something stirring in Russia's nuclear establishment, but is not reacting to it. One analyst has spotted movement in a unit that stores and transports Russian nuclear warheads. An Italian newspaper reported, that Russia may soon test a nuclear-capable torpedo. Other officials insist these are false alarms. But the jitters are growing. Disease and political turmoil flood Pakistan Pakistan's devastating floods may be receding, but their costs are compounding. This week, the UN raised its aid appeal for the country to 816 million dollars, up from 160 million dollars, the revision was prompted by fears of hunger and a surge in waterborne diseases. More than 140,000 cases of malaria were reported in its southern Sindh province in the first three weeks of September. Swaths of farmland remain submerged. Pakistan's government appears ill-equipped to cope. The climate minister, Sherry Rahman, has admitted that government coffers are running dry. The botched response is leaving officials red-faced. On Monday, Shabazz Sharif, the prime minister, refused to start using a government dashboard monitoring flood relief, saying it was shoddily designed. The opposition, led by Imran Khan, a former prime minister, is adding to Mr. Sharif's problems. Mr. Khan has called on his party's officials to assemble millions of supporters to descend on the Capitol this week to rally for fresh elections. Chasing Arizona's Political Center Statewide elections in Arizona, where a third of voters claim no party affiliation, have recently been won by razor-thin margins. Yet Mark Kelly, the Democratic incumbent seeking re-election in November's Senate race, comfortably leads his Republican rival. Independents seem unconvinced by Blake Masters, a venture capitalist whose racist dog-whistling during the primary secured him Donald Trump's endorsement. So Mr. Masters will try to soften his image and broaden his appeal when he debates Mr. Kelly on Thursday. Mr. Kelly, by contrast, understands how to woo the political center. Recognizing that Democrats' perceived weakness on border security could cost him votes, he takes a tough line on immigration. He supports building out the wall along Arizona's border with Mexico and has co-sponsored a bill to help recruit and retain more Border Patrol agents. That defensive posture should serve him well. The Economist's forecasting model gives him a 92% probability of winning on November 8th. A New European Talking Shop The leaders of 44 European countries will gather in Prague on Thursday for the first meeting of the European Political Community, EPC. The format, floated by Emmanuel Macron, France's president, allows for a looser continental grouping of the EU's 27 members, alongside 17 outer-circle countries. Aspiring members, Serbia, Ukraine, happy outsiders, Norway, Switzerland, or the recently departed, just Britain. That is a tricky crowd to manage. The summit will feature different discussion streams to keep apart pairs of countries best not left in the same room, such as Greece and Turkey but the EPC has received an early endorsement from Liz Truss, Britain's new prime minister, who will attend despite her country's fluctuating relationship with the continent. EU leaders will stay on after the meeting ends to discuss tightening sanctions against Russia after EU ambassadors approved a long-awaited deal for an oil price cap on Wednesday. A closer-knit Europe, then, both in format and in substance. The Woman King, a female-led African epic. Marvel Studios' Black Panther proved that Hollywood could sell an action movie with an African setting and a predominantly black cast. The Woman King, which is already out in American cinemas and released in Britain this week, goes one step further. Gina Prince-Bythewood, an American director, has made a rip-roaring historical epic, set in the prosperous West African kingdom of Dahomey, now part of Benin, in the 1800s, and populated it largely with black women. Viola Davis, who won an Oscar for Fences in 2017, stars as General Nanisca, the leader of an all-female military regiment which defends Dahomey from neighboring warlords. The regiment actually existed, Naniska didn't. Most of the key behind the camera roles are taken by women, too. While the woman king is perhaps too forgiving of Dahomey's part in the international slave trade, otherwise it is inspirational. A historical epic that makes history. <laughs> which astronomer was the first to discover Jupiter's moons? Wednesday Which hit musical is based on the songs of ABBA? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Fanny Lou Hamer, who was born on this day in 1917. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired.